I'm so thankful today for the sacrifice that Jesus paid for me. Jesus was crucified on a cross. We will commemorate this and celebrate this on Easter. But for those who follow Christ, we should commemorate this and celebrate this really every day, shouldn't we? We simply join with the rest of the world in, in acknowledging, well, I say the rest of the world, many, uh, many people in the world have confused what Easter is all about, but we want to make clear what Easter is all about. It's not about spring grass or eggs or bunnies. Easter is about the Savior who came from heaven and gave his life on a cross. Easter is about Jesus who died for the sins of mankind. Easter is about the triumphant risen Savior. Amen? Jesus was crucified between two thieves. One of the thieves takes the opportunity in his final breath, his last words, to mock Jesus. Can you imagine? The very last words spoken by one of the thieves was mockery and blasphemy. However, the, there, was, there was another thief on the other side of Jesus, and he rebukes the other thief and says, shut up, basically. <laughs> we deserve to die. We deserve our punishment. But Jesus is innocent. And he asked Jesus something. He said, Jesus, would you remember me? And I want you to watch and see the response of Jesus. Bible today to Luke chapter 23. Mel Gibson gave us a gift, really, in the film The Passion of the Christ, as bloody and gory as it is, and maybe even difficult to watch. I would urge you, before Easter arrives, to take the time to maybe view this. I believe it is a, a very real depiction of what happened to our Lord and Savior just before he died. Luke chapter 23, verse number 43. Here's the response to the thief. As he hung on the cross, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me 
in paradise. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray, Lord, that it would strengthen us as it's read, as it's taught and preached. It would go out into the air, but then into our spirits, working that work. Wow. Let your word accomplish what you have sent it to accomplish. Let it bring forth change. We give you thanks for it as we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue today in a series I've entitled, His Last Words. Jesus spoke seven short phrases before he died. As he hung on the cross to redeem mankind, he spoke dying words. They were his last words. And as I said to you last week, I believe that as we study his last words, we will gain insight to the character of Christ. I believe as we study his last words, we will know Jesus more. Does anybody want to know Jesus more today than you did yesterday? I need to know Jesus. And so I want to study and scrutinize every word that he said. But the last words that he said, just before he died, perhaps they're clues to us. I believe they are. The second word is summed up in this one word. It is salvation. Somebody say salvation. salvation. The second word I want us to study today, and I believe that we are going to see Jesus through, is this word. It is salvation. What can we learn of Jesus through these words that he spoke to a dying thief? I want you to take notes if if you can, if you will, I know you can, it's if you will. Um, I have developed a discipline in my life of taking notes because I, I, I asked a question a moment ago, how many want to know more about Jesus? And everybody, just about everybody said yes. And even if you didn't say yes, I'm sure you do. One way we can know more is hearing the word, but I believe as we jot down some things, it will really take the learning to another level. And so we have room on the back of our bulletins. You could take notes. You could stop by Target or Walmart, Barnes & Noble, any bookstore, and get, your, get yourself a affordable, cheap journal. I have, in my library, I have a journal after journal after journal of notes. If I'm not preaching and it's one of our pastors, I'm taking notes because I really do want God to speak to me and show me some things. And so we're trying to make it even easier for you folks because I believe my job, part of my role, is to teach you and to equip you for the work of the ministry. Are you ready for the work of the ministry? And that's what Sunday's all about. We come in and we celebrate Jesus, we, we worship Jesus, and then we take the time to learn of Jesus. Amen? So the first thing I believe we learn from this word, salvation, is, number one, Jesus was sent to save. This is the whole reason the Father sent the Son. Salvation 
is his mission. Does anybody remember the, the Blues Brothers? Anybody ever watched the Blues Brothers? This is going back a few years. They had the dark sunglasses and the black suits and the, the hats and the car and the, you remember the Blues Brothers? Do you remember who played the Blues Brothers? Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, who's no longer with us. He died of a drug overdose. But they had a, a phrase that they would say. Do you remember the phrase they would say? That is it. That's it. We are on a mission from God. And this they would say throughout the whole movie. I don't know. I, I don't think so. But if anybody could rightly say, I'm on a mission from God, it would be the Son of God. Jesus was sent by the Father. The Son was sent by the Father for a purpose, a mission, an assignment. And salvation is that mission. Luke 19.10, one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Word of God. I love this scripture because it tells the mission of Jesus. It tells His assignment. Luke 19.10, the Son of Man, Jesus, has come for this reason, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's me. That's me all over. That's you all over. Do you remember the day that you found Jesus, or maybe better said, Jesus found you? Do you remember? He'd been looking for you. He'd been seeking you. He came, Dorothea, to seek us and then to save us. It's his mission. Because it's his mission, it's his responsibility. Salvation is not only the mission of Jesus. Salvation is his responsibility. Jot this down. Salvation is his responsibility. The pressure's off. You don't have to save anybody. You don't have to fix anybody. You don't have to rescue anybody. In fact, I'll say it like this. You can't save anybody. You can't really fix anybody. You can't rescue anybody. Neither can I. I know people, they, they say, oh, I want to bring somebody to church because I know Pastor Steve can save them. I know he can fix them. I know he can, he can help them. Well, I can't save anybody. Please understand today, I have no ability in myself to save anyone. I cannot save. I am not the Savior. It's Jesus' mission. It's his responsibility. Religion can't save you. There are thousands of religions in the world today. Thousands of religions. Why? Why? Why are there so many religions today? I'll tell you why. Because everybody wants to be saved, even if they don't say it like that, even if they don't think it, everybody wants to be saved. Everybody needs to be saved. And so they try this for salvation. They try that for salvation. They experiment here for salvation. But religion can't save you. Did you know that going to church can't save you? And I want you at church, believe me. I talked with a couple yesterday, 
I asked them about their religious upbringing and their religious belief. And they said to me, they believe in God. That's pretty broad, though, isn't it? So I tried to hone in on what they really believed. They believed that God's Son is Jesus. That's, That's good progress but yet have no real relationship with them whatsoever. It's just most of our society, many in our society, they believe they're Christian just because we are a Christian nation, or at least we used to be. We used to be one nation under God. We used to be in God we trust. Come on, somebody. And so this this couple, they, they they would throw in their hat as Christians but yet they don't really know Christ whatsoever. And as I was trying to connect Jesus into their lives right where they are as really unbelievers, good people, they kept saying to me, Casey, they kept saying, well, we know we need to go to church. And we've been thinking about church. They kept talking about church, 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 church. And I just said, hang on a minute. Hang on just a minute. And I just, I pushed church aside for a moment. I said, just, just forget about church for a minute. Because if, if, if they're only coming to church because they want to check off a list or because there's some pressure that they ought to go to church and they have no relationship with God, no relationship with Christ, well, who wants to do that? I don't want to do that. I can't imagine you're here because you're wanting to check off some list today. That's not what church is all about. Going to church will not save you. We go to church because we get to worship God. We get to run after Jesus. We get to celebrate who He is. We get to celebrate His presence. And then we get to quiet ourselves and listen to Him and have Him speak to us and and have our lives changed. That's why I come to church. We get to encourage somebody that might be downhearted and struggled this past week. That's why. Not because of some obligation. Religion can't save you. Going to church can't save you. Salvation is the responsibility of Jesus. Psalm 3.8 tells us salvation belongs to the Lord. Psalm 68.20 says it like this. Our God is the God of salvation. It is His responsibility to save Our responsibility is to make him known. And I hope that you're doing that in your everyday life. You're letting the light of Jesus shine from you because there's a lot of people wandering around in darkness. How many know somebody that comes to your mind immediately? They're wandering in darkness. You're working with them. You live next to them. Maybe they're part of your blood family. So we have a responsibility. It is not to save because we can't save. Our responsibility is to make known the Savior. Make known Jesus who then will save. How does Jesus save? It is his mission. It is his responsibility. How is it done? Salvation is in his name. Jot this down. Salvation is in His name, Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other, 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Come on, somebody say the name of Jesus today. Come on, say it out loud like you love him and like you know him. Somebody say Jesus today. Hallelujah. Salvation comes in his name. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of Jesus can still calm the fever of a baby, still salvage a shipwrecked marriage. The name of Jesus can still reach the wandering teenager, early 20-something, and bring them back to their right standing in Christ. And put them on their new path of purpose and their new path of destiny. I'm looking at Michelle Regan, full of purpose and destiny today and ready to just do anything she possibly could for Jesus. Amazing. Stand up on your feet. We're going to pray for you right now. She's going to go to Hawaii in just a little bit and, and suffer for Jesus over in Hawaii. <laughs> But seriously, she's on a mission from God. Get you some dark sunglasses and you pick up the mantle of a mission from God. But you are on a mission from God. Your, your, your parents have spoke the name of Jesus and, and cried the name of Jesus over you, pleading, Jesus, save. Jesus, save Michelle. Jesus, rescue Michelle. Jesus, fix Michelle. Because your mother can't fix you. Your father can't fix you. I can't fix you. But Jesus can, and Jesus did. And when he fixed you, hallelujah, hallelujah, he fixed you good. He fixed you on the inside, and he turned some things in your heart and turned some things in your mind and turned some things in your life, hallelujah. And now today God says I'm putting a new mantle on you God says I'm putting a new anointing on you God says you will open your mouth and you will be amazed at what comes out of your mouth because I'm putting it in you already I'm, I'm putting in you what I want you to say says the Lord I'm already ordering your steps to where I want you to go I'm already preparing the people that I will put you in their path and that you will touch and it will be my love coming from you hallelujah and we thank you Lord that you are working out every detail detail. Every detail is being worked out right now. Every financial detail, God, every relational detail, it's all being worked out because of your love for us. Lord, use her. Anoint her greatly, Lord. Astound us with what you do through this young lady. Hallelujah. That's powerful right there, Michelle. All that happens because of the name of Jesus. You were saved and rescued. See, that's what we're talking about, being saved, right? Some people want to mix it up, you know. They don't want to talk about being saved anymore. That's what our parents talked about. That's what our grandparents talked about. It's not, it's not hip, see, trying to change things. There's... The Bible talks about being saved, right? Romans 10, 13, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How else do you say it? Why do we have to change it up? I don't think we can change it up. I think we need to say what the Bible says. The name of Jesus can save you. The name of Jesus can rescue you. The name of Jesus can fix you. 
And if you'll just call on his name, if you'll just give him a chance, you've given so many other opportunities a chance, so many other people, so many other religions, so many other organizations. Why don't you just give Jesus a chance and let him save you? It's found in his name. Buddha can't save you. Muhammad can't save you. Earthly kings can't save. Political leaders can't save. Our president can't save. Salvation is found in the name that is above every other name. Salvation is found in the name of Jesus. Come on and give him a shout of praise today. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's his mission. Jesus was sent to save. And guess what? He's good at it. <laughs> He's so good at it. Jesus successfully saved. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number two, Jesus successfully saved. He called out to Matthew, tax collector Matthew. And he said, drop everything and follow me. Matthew represents the disciples. See, you see, Jesus saved the disciples. Yes, he did. Jesus saved the disciples. He called Matthew, Matthew 9, 9. Jesus passed from, from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. Matthew had a choice that day. He could have said, well, I'm busy. He could have said, see, when, when Jesus called him to follow him, Jesus was asking him to really leave that life. Tax collectors had a bad, bad reputation. Most tax collectors of the day were corrupt. And they would go to the people and say, Caesar requires thus and so, and then they would get their portion. They would pat it, see. They would inflate it. They would lie so they could live the good life. This was the occupation that Matthew knew. But when he encountered the Savior, hallelujah, and Jesus came passing by, and Jesus said, drop everything and follow me, Matthew didn't hang on to the corruption and the money. Matthew dropped everything and he followed Jesus. This was the call from Jesus to a motley crew of men. He told foul-mouthed fishermen, drop your nets and follow me. Corrupt tax collectors, worldly businessmen, and as they dropped their tax money, as they dropped their dirty nets, as they dropped their business, they followed Jesus. And in that moment, they found a Savior. They found one who could fix them. They found one who could rescue them. The disciples were saved as they followed Jesus. What were they saved from, you may ask? They were saved from corruption. They were saved from greed. They were saved from selfishness, worldliness. But most importantly, Jesus saved the disciples from sin. It's what he specializes in. It's what he does best, saving us from sin. 
Jesus saved the disciples. Jesus saved the woman caught in adultery. The Bible tells of a story of a woman that was caught red-handed. She was caught in bed with a married man. Not good. And so the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the scribes, the church folk, they grab this woman caught in adultery and they drag her to the open square. They drag her to an open area where there's other people there. Jesus is there. <coughs> Excuse me. They're trying to trick Jesus, however, which they constantly were trying to do, weren't they? They said to Jesus, now the Bible says, or the law says, that a woman caught in the act of adultery should be stoned because it's against the law. What do you say, Jesus? Wow. Jesus says, I love what he said. Well, how about the first one here that's without sin? Why don't you pick up the, the first stone and throw that? He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. That's what Jesus said. And I also like what he did. He just got down on the ground and he was drawing something in the ground. I don't know what, you know, in the dirt or in the sand, whatever it was. Wouldn't you like to know what Jesus was drawing that day? Wouldn't you like to have that in your scrapbook? Hang that on your fridge? <coughs> he just responds and then almost ignores them, waiting for the first one, the one that's pure, the one that's sinless, to start off throwing the first stone. They've got the stones in their hand, I suppose, and all at once you can hear the thud of, of rocks, stones just dropping to the ground. You can hear the shuffle of the feet as they, as they leave. Wow. So Jesus finally stands up and he says this. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she says this, no one, Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go. Go and don't do this anymore. <laughs> right? Go, you're free, but don't sin. Go and sin no more is what he told the lady. That's what he tells us today. He calls us to follow him, and he'll free us from corruption and greed and selfishness. Free us from sin. He called the adulterous woman. I don't condemn you for this, but if you continue in your sin, you'll die in your sin. This won't be the only time that you're found out. I don't condemn you, Jesus said, but you've got to leave your life of sin. And in that moment... Jesus saved the adulterous woman. What was she saved from? She was saved from guilt. Can you imagine the guilt? We don't know the backstory of this woman and what led her to be at a place of adultery. A life of guilt, a life of shame. She's saved from her past. 
Aren't you glad that Jesus saves us from our past? Our past isn't holding us captive any longer. But most importantly, hear this. The adulterous woman was saved from sin. Go and stop sinning. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Why can't we get that more then? Why do we go and then we sin? And then we come back and then we go and then we sin. Do you believe that you can actually live a life free of sin? I'm asking. Because some people don't think that. And so they incline themselves to just keep on sinning and then they come back and they feel guilty and this is their life. This is their life. They're Christian and they really do love Jesus, but they've allowed for this weakness. And so instead of really being free from the sin, they just keep on sinning and coming back and asking for God to give grace. Well, that's an abuse of grace. Grace is the ability that God gives to actually stand up against sin and tell the devil to leave you alone. Oh, somebody could have shouted right there, but I'm going to keep on anyway. Jesus saved the disciples. He saved the adulterous woman. Jesus was successful in that he saved a blind man, a blind man that we know as Bartimaeus. Here is blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road doing what he always does, doing what he knew to do. He's begging for money and asking for help. In the greater Los Angeles area that we live in, this is common for us. Maybe not blind, necessarily, but to see people asking for money and asking for help and, well, begging. There are modern-day beggars. Anybody see a beggar this last week? Wow, lots of hands, actually. I bet there was more in the room that actually encountered a beggar this week, but you didn't see him. There was a lame man that the disciples encountered, crippled. This is in the book of Acts. Guess where he was? He was at the doorway of church. They laid him every day at the gate called Beautiful. It was like an entry to, to the synagogue, to the church. And they brought him there every day. I wonder how many church folk just passed by the beggar every day and didn't even see him, didn't even, didn't even notice. Maybe they were even annoyed that he was bringing down the quality of the, of the neighborhood, right? Nobody wants to hear this today. Here's a beggar, blind, begging for money. And he hears some commotion over here. And somebody says, well, it's Jesus. Well, Jesus had already gained a reputation by this time of doing some crazy stuff, healing leprosy. Leprosy doesn't get healed, you know. It, it, it's just monitored, and, 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 and you learn how to live with it, right? And they put you in a colony, but you're not healed of it. You lose fingers, digits, your nose, your ears. This is leprosy, and so they live in a colony. You, you pray that it would dry up and, and, and you get some life, but, but Jesus came in, and, and he would recreate digits, and he would cause, he would cause the leprosy to leave. He, he had a reputation, and the blind man knew of the reputation of Jesus quite possibly, and so he hollers out, he says, Jesus, son of David, son of David, 
Don't want him to get too far. He's passing by, and I want him to touch me. Have mercy on me, he said. Cried out to Jesus. Have mercy on me. Jesus heard this. He said, bring this beggar to me. Bring the blind man to me. And I love Jesus' question to him. What do you want me to do? What if Jesus asked you that today? Wow. Imagine. What do you want me to do? Bartimaeus could have said, well, mm, boy, I like a lot of money. See, we think money's the answer to everything, don't we? How many would like a little bit more money today? Raise your hand. You know you want some more money today. I do. That's all right. Don't let money be our God. But we all could use a little more money today, I'm sure. He could have asked for more money or some money. You know, he's begging for money. Nope, that's not what he asked. He just said, I want to see. I'm just so tired of not seeing. I want to see. This was his request. Look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 52. Jesus said to blind Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, somebody say immediately. immediately. I like immediately. I like immediately. Now, God, more times than not, for me, it's a process, and, and I think it's, it's a little too slow, you know. I'd like God to hurry up some, right? But I do like that God still does the immediately from time to time, even in my life, and God will just do it right now. And, and immediately, the blind man received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. In that moment, the blind man was saved. He became a follower of Jesus. That's what the scripture told us. He began to follow. Jesus told Matthew and the rest of the disciples, leave everything and what? Follow. Come on, somebody. Follow. Immediately, blind Bartimaeus, seeing everything. What's he do? He didn't run home. I would have run home. I think I would have gone and, and gotten Karen if he was married. Don't, you, know, you don't know much about him, right? Probably not because he is the lowest of society, then go to mom or dad or somebody. What's he do? He follows Jesus. He was saved. What was blind Bartimaeus saved from? He was saved from disease. He was saved from sickness. He was saved from a life and a world of darkness. This is what blind Bartimaeus was saved from. But he was also saved from sin. I believe that blind Bartimaeus was saved. The scripture tells us he followed Jesus. Jesus displayed himself as a savior that day. He saved the disciples. He saved the adulterous woman. Jesus saved blind Bartimaeus. And let me bring it to our text today. Jesus saved the dying thief. If you have your Bible open, I want you to back up with me from verse 43 in Luke 23. Back up a little bit with me. We'll start at verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged, he blasphemed Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself. And while you're at it, save us. 
But you see, he didn't really want saved, did he? He took his last dying opportunity to ridicule, to blaspheme, to mock. I told you last week, Joan Crawford, great, great actress of yesteryear, her last recorded words before she died was, don't you dare ask God to help me. She said it to her maid who began to pray for her after she had suffered a heart attack. The maid began to pray out loud so that Joan could hear her, and she said, and it was the last thing she said, don't you dare ask God to help me. Here's a thief, rightly accused, justly getting what he deserves. And instead of just shutting his mouth, maybe being repentant and and sorrowful, he mocks Jesus. Look at verse number 40. But the other answered and rebuked the thief and said, Do you not even fear God? seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. In other words, we're both guilty. But this man, he's talking about Jesus now, this man has done nothing wrong. So the, the other thief on this side, he, he was talking to that thief, and now he stops talking to that thief, and he directs it to the man in the middle. And he says this, Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And even though the man was dying on the cross for wrongs that he had committed, faith was activated in him. And he dared to believe in one that might could save him. And what happened? What happened is our text. The second word happened. Look at verse 43. Jesus said to the dying thief, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What happened was Jesus saved. Jesus did what he he did best. He did what he was sent to do. He accomplished his mission even in his final moments as a man. He saved the dying thief. The thief was saved that day. What was he saved of? What was he saved from? He was saved from a life of of crime. He was saved from all of his mistakes. Aren't you glad that Jesus saves from all of your mistakes? I mean, let's face it. Some of us were really rascals at one time. We messed up big time. How many would say, I messed up big time? I got both my hands up today. He was saved from all of his mistakes of his past, all of his life of crime. He was saved from death. You may say, wait a minute, he was hanging on a cross, didn't he die? Well, he died an earthly death. But I don't care about dying here on earth. I don't know about you. I may die. You know, I'm expecting not to die. I'm expecting for a trumpet to sound and and the dead in Christ to rise. And then those of us who are alive will will join those in the air. We'll meet Jesus in the air. And hey, is anybody going in in the rapture? Hallelujah. I still believe in the rapture of the church. But I might die. I might die. 
but I don't care about my earthly death because I've already made arrangements that I'm going to live forever in another place at another time. He died an earthly death, but he began to live eternally. Jesus told him, this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. Let me just bring you one more bit of good news before we leave and go have lunch. Anybody want just a little bit more good news? Brace yourself, because here it comes. Jesus still saves. Hallelujah! <laughs> he still saves. Hallelujah. I like what William Kirkpatrick wrote in the 1800s. He said, we have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Sing it above the battle strife. Jesus saves. Jesus saves by his death and endless life. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom when the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph o'er the tomb. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free, highest hills and deepest caves. This our song, hallelujah, of victory. Say it with me today, church. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad today for the saving power of Jesus? Hallelujah. And just as Jesus saved the disciples, just as Jesus saved the woman caught in adultery, just as Jesus saved blind Bartimaeus, he saved the dying thief on the cross. He's still the Savior today. I want our band and singers to come. He still can save. But we must come to him. Hear me today. We must come to the Savior. Salvation belongs to Him. It's not found in any other. Our God is the God of salvation. He's our Savior. Can still move mountains. He's mighty to save. And He bids us today, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll save you. I'll rescue you. I'll fix you. I gave a call in the first service, and several people responded and said, yes, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I want you to bow your heads today and think about this. Jesus calls you to himself. He was sent to save. But you must come to him, acknowledging that you need a Savior. You need help.
If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I'm so ready. I'm so ready for a Savior. I, I need Jesus. I know that today. And I want to ask Him to be my Savior. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Don't leave here today without accepting Jesus as Savior. Come on, is there even just one? Just lift your hand and let me pray for you. Your life will be radically changed. Amen. 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 Yes, yes. Hands being lifted in this room. Hallelujah. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to solidify and really seal this commitment that you're feeling. God brought you here to let you know that he sent his son to save. And you're responding. Clearly, you're responding. So, Pastor Moses, I want you to lead this chorus. And as they start singing, I'm going to have everybody stand. And as they stand, if you've lifted your hand, I want you to come and let us pray with you right here at this altar. Okay? Does that sound good to everybody? One, two, three. Everybody standing. committing your life and heart to the Savior. Why don't you ask somebody close to you, do you need a Savior? Tell them you'll walk down to the aisle with them. Come on, let's, let's find out, church. The second word that he spoke on the cross was all about salvation. not trying to embarrass anybody, but simple truth is we all need a Savior. Come. Come, let me pray with you. Savior, move the mountains. He's mighty to save. So mighty to save. Give me a few ladies up here. We got some ladies responding today. We're so proud of your response and your commitment to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Forever, author of salvation, 
exciting today church that people are finding a savior the lost are being found hallelujah come on and let's congratulate these folks today on their courageous step a bold step and we want you to know that we want to help you this is just the start of a new life the start of following Jesus and we all need help, don't we? Come on, look at somebody tell them, you need help. <laughs> I need help. So church, let's commit to helping these friends who have found a Savior today. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church on this Sunday morning? Come on, everybody. Hallelujah. We dismiss you now in the name of the Lord. Go with God, be blessed, and be a blessing. Don't forget about our life groups. Gather at the home close there to you, and let's grow in God. Hallelujah.